Today on Benders Assemble, Benders, Matthew Carroll, Haley Hobbs, and Jay Scotty St. Clair team up to take on 2006's Casino Royale. All that right of this ad we have no control over. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to Bingers Assemble, the podcast where we rewatch movies so you don't have to. My name's Matthew Carroll. I'm Haley Hobbs. The name's St. Clair. J. Scotty St. Clair. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. Had to do it, had to do it. Of course you do. It's James Bond, and I'm excited to cover these. I just have really strong memories of how good this movie is, and um, I wasn't disappointed, so... Uh, y'all want to get into the format here? Is who, 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 who's taking the shot? Jay Scotty, right? I think I oh, that's right. No, sorry. Shot. Haley's right. taking my, the shot. M- my, my virgin take on the shot. I've never done it. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> here she goes. Here she goes. First timer. <laughs> 60 seconds on the clock. And go. In Casino Royale, we see James Bond getting his double O status because this is kind of a. A refresh of the franchise, and he's sent to Uganda to find this bomber that's supposed to lead MI6 to who's financing a terrorist network. But he kills him, and they send him on leave, but he still can't shake what he's supposed to do. So he ends up figuring out some more clues to who's financing the network. MI6 ends up staking him in this high-stakes poker game in Montenegro, and he beats the villain, who then captures him and tortures him. But then he's um, rescued. Meanwhile, he's fallen in love and he quits MI6. They're going to travel the world, but she betrays him and dies. And that's kind of how the movie ends. Wow. What an efficient shot. Yeah. Oh, what an efficient shot. 14 seconds remaining. Two communication Impressive. degrees <laughs> hanging off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay Scotty, what else you got? What did, what did she miss? He's going to do what we call the chaser. He's got 30 seconds to say what Haley may have missed. Go. All right. I would just say, yeah, you covered the entire plot, so it's just like kind of nitty-gritty details here. We talked about in the beginning section seeing him become a full-fledged double O. He kills a section chief for MI6, Dryden there. So you get to see kind of the cold nature of, of Bond. And I guess that's that's kind of the main thing you missed there is just some of the nuance of getting to see Bond go from this like cold killer to opening up to Vesper and actually being capable of loving and then losing her is kind of the perfect setup for Daniel Craig as James Bond. 
he goes from cold killer to and that's scorned lover. (laughs) But I know I think that's a perfect way to segue. Like open, Mm -hmm. it's time for open bar, everybody. Uh, I agree with you completely. This is a movie about him becoming kind of waffling between having a heart and not having a heart. Because uh, mm-hmm. in the even in the beginning, um, he they show him do his first kill, which is like I guess the bodyguard of Dryden um, oh, in right. the bathroom, mm-hmm. and 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 they're saying like and, and 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 while he's doing that, he has a real face of like regret and horror after killing the bodyguard. He like kills him, and then he really seems to have a hard time with it. It's his first kill ever. You know, you see Bond have his first kill, and it's really really. He's really affected by it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then there's just this great moment where Dryden says, don't worry. The second one is always, and then he just fires before he can even say it. And he's like, yep, you're right. It was like, it's easier. <laughs> so good. Correct. <laughs> yes. So good. And it's like he, beca- he, he's really has this sense of feel to him. And then he's just suddenly cold. And then the same thing happens later in the film when he like learns to really love Vesper. And then she, and then she betrays him and then dies. And He's still he's still cold, but still clearly has feelings for her. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love that opening scene that it's in black and white. Me because too. Because it's setting such a tone for how he's supposed to be. Like, this is what a double O does. They just pull the trigger. They don't have emotion attached to it. And then it it quickly transitions out of that. But such a cool artsy choice that they made for this franchise. Yeah, and it kind of... Uh subverts the tropes of the franchise with the whole like barrel sequence, right? Isn't it normally that we get the shot going out of uh bonds gun that we get the whole, yeah. that we get to see his victim like in the sights. And this time we actually get to see like bond firing into the other person's barrel, right? You usually see bond. Like it's like you're looking through a scope and he turns okay. and fires at the opponent. Right. Okay. Okay. Then they and stay true in that, in that fashion then. Yeah. Right. I don't think they do it till the end, right? Oh Am no, I'm it's wrong? in that that when you see him take out the contact in the bathroom when Dryden oh, asks, like, "How did right, he go?" and he's right. like, "Not well." It's not yeah. usually like in a scene, like like right. it's yeah. I got gotcha. you. I'm there now. Sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah. yeah, I watched it last week, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, we were supposed to record this last week and uh, had to had to reschedule. Um, so sorry, not your fault. No, you're good now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. Yeah, I think that this movie, the main thing I remembered from like 2006 seeing it in theaters was like how, this is a stupid sentence, but how, how very memorable, there were so many memorable scenes, like that bathroom scene and the killing of Dryden at the beginning. And then immediately after that, the chase scene with the bomb yeah. maker, like oh, I just yes. remember being like, that's what, like this introduced the idea of parkour to the world. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of, like seriously, like. Uh, this was shortly before that episode of The Office where they're yelling parkour and jumping yeah, around. Like, and they actually <laughs> reference this movie. Yes. Parkour, parkour. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is, this, like, put parkour on the map with that whole scene. And then, like, then uh, just all the scenes in the casino were super memorable to me. Like, just hit him see. I remember it being, like, kind of slow moving and boring in a way, but, like, really effective. Like, hmm. In in the sense that there's like about an hour where there's no action sequences, where there's mostly just them sitting across the table from each other, but it's not sure. boring. And that's kind of what I remember from it being so entertaining. And then the scene with him with the defibrillator, like there's so many little yeah. vignettes. And then of course, Vesper drowning, like there's so many vignettes in this movie that are like super memorable and they mm-hmm. feel so classic bond, but at the same time, very, very updated. Like 
I think more so than the subsequent films. This one was shot. I don't know if this one was shot on film and the other ones were shot digitally or whatever, but something about just the sheen of the screen looks, um, somehow looks classic to me in a way that I, I don't know. They, they, they pull off this classic, but new vibe that I really love. It is. It does feel very homage to the Sean Connery films. Yes. In a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about the black and white sequence and then just in the filmmaking itself, there's a lot of like techniques like the crossfade they do during the casino sequences to show the elapsing of time. Like that's a lot of like homage to the older films as well. Mm -hmm. And then you, you kind of talked about like how we get so many of these vignettes and I was going to refer to them almost as like touchstones, like the iconic set pieces for, for Bond. You know, you get the sun soaked beaches, you get the sassy snoirees, the silent knife fights and it's all, it just works so well and it's, it's modernized. And that's the thing. This film is like 15 years old, yeah. but it holds up so well. Not a single effect feels dated. The action, the stunt work, it's, it's just phenomenal how well this film folds up. Hold, excuse me, holds up folds is appropriate given the nature of the, <laughs> the card game there. But uh, it's, I'll go on record saying it's my favorite Bond film. Oh, mm. nice. Out of yeah. everything in the franchise. Out of all the films. Correct. Solid. I think I would be on board with that assessment. I, I, I think it's my favorite in the franchise as well. Um, partially because it's just so very, very memorable for me. Like, I don't know. I think this just came out at a time when I was like really, it hit me just at the right time. I, the others were all felt a little dated to me, even even when I first saw them. You know, even hmm. uh, the Pierce Brosnan stuff. I, I always felt like the Pierce Brosnan stuff didn't update enough. If that makes sense, like it still felt like the old. It still feels like the older age of Bond to me. But what was that weird period in the early, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, where nothing was quite caught up in filmmaking to where visions were for directors and stuff? I feel like. Hmm. Yeah. Plus, they did some really goofy stuff with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the thing. I think it feels goofy in a way that a lot of the older Bond feels goofy. And this just threw that out the window. This is, like, not goofy at all. And I do think, like, they originally, I mean, Bond always has, like, the one-liners and stuff. But, like, even back back in uh, Sean Connery's day, it wasn't as goofy as later later films, especially like his first, his first and stuff. Yeah. Bond is a lot like Batman in, in a lot of ways. And the fact that a lot of the iterations fall into campy trappings, but there's none of that here. And, mm. and you talk about the one liners, but for me, they, they all work so well, like during the card game, when he gets poisoned and has to go out there and like use the defibrillator in there, just getting to see some of that gadgetry, like it actually works and it makes sense for it to be there in the car. Uh, but then when he comes back and he's like, uh, excuse me, that last hand nearly killed me. It just <laughs> so works good. so well. And it's, it's the right kind of comedy for the tone of this film. Right. Well, it's almost not comedy. There's a lot of like, he just says things that are like threatening slash cool. Like they're, they're cool yeah. lines. They're not even really like, they're not laugh lines. Like, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's sort of dripping with disdain a lot of the time. Yeah. Sure. Or sex. The conversations between him and Vesper are super innuendo filled in a way that like, I'm sure other movies have done, but like they don't feel jokey though. They feel like real flirting can feel, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There, there was one in particular exchange that I wrote down because it was just so, so great and kind of, uh, I felt encapsulated the relationship. But when she says, I'm keeping my eyes like on the goal, not on your perfectly chiseled ass. And he retorts with, you noticed. 
He says, yeah. even accountants have an imagination. <laughs> it's, just, it's so great. It's so great. Shout out to all the accountants in the world. <laughs> Shout out to Jess. I understood that reference. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I think that's totally right. And another thing about his perfectly chiseled ass, um, <laughs> I think he's kind of the Bond girl in this one in a way that, like, like when he walks out of the water, that is purely like sexual gaze upon Bond, mm-hmm. and he does it That's twice. Definitely an ode to Sean Connery. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And Sean Connery had those moments, but they weren't as explicit. I guess he was just he was an attractive man, but like I don't know when he walks out of that water and he's dripping wet with his <laughs> glistening, uh, glistening, <laughs> and his package is very pronounced and it's just like <laughs> all right that's uh that's a very yeah. sexual image he looks damn good in this film like i know it man when he, <laughs> he shows does. up to the ocean club and the bahamas i was like he's wearing just like normal bahamas wear like just some khaki pants and a linen shirt and i'm like wear it wear it all day long daniel craig i don't even care yeah he's turning all the heads those two tennis players <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> Like when he's parking the cars, there's two female valets walk by and they're like, "What? <laughs> oh, were they valets? I thought they were like tennis players. They were, oh, they yeah, may they have were been guests. Yeah. Oh, my bad, my bad. Um, yeah, it's just the whole movie. I think they they really sexualize Bond himself instead of like having him just be the male gaze to be looking at the the Bond girls. Is what I meant by mm-hmm. he's the Bond girl. He's not. There's clearly there's two two beautiful women in this, but like. Uh, it's, it's interesting that they chose to sexualize him so much. And it is 2006. So it was 15 years ago. Like, it's pretty woke for the time, probably, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that being said, it's still, like, while we talked about it, it doesn't fall into, like, some of the campy trappings. It does kind of acknowledge some of the problematic parts of the Bond character and the fact that that first Bond girl, Demetrius's wife, she's totally collateral damage. And mm-hmm. that's, perfect case where he does what needs to get done to get the job done and doesn't consider the people at all. When you see her wrapped up in the hammock, it's pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. gruesome. One of the Mm -hmm. darkest moments of the film. For sure. Yeah. He was also though really affected by it. I don't think that was, I think in other bond iterations, the collateral damage is almost on purpose. There's a scene in the very first, the first, the first Sean Connery one's called Casino Royale as well, right? No, it's Dr. No. Dr. No. I don't think Sean Connery ever did Casino Royale. Okay. I know there's a Casino Royale around. That's where you get into like the wishy-washiness of like who had the rights to the right. Like what's Eon canon and what's not. The first Ian Fleming novel was Casino Royale. It was (laughs) it was entitled Casino Royale. Okay, that that must be what's in my head. But the very first Sean Connery Bond, like when he's walking, he like walks out on a dance floor and a woman is shot. They're trying to shoot him and they shoot a woman he's dancing with and he just like puts her in a chair and walks away completely cold <laughs> with no response. Like he basically used this woman as a human shield and then puts her down. And it's like, wow, bad. <laughs> that is really bad. That is really, really in this like Bond is really affected by the death of that first, uh, the mm-hmm. first lady. And I, I think, I think he didn't realize what he was doing, um, as he does it, later, maybe true. He, this is his like first real outing as a double O. So he's learning along the way. For sure. He seems to use each death or kill. Uh, it seems to drive him even more kind of builds up that need for him to finish the mission. Yeah. Well, he M points out like the reason she does something she does is because she knows who bond is because I knew who you were. 
And then later, Vesper left the phone for him, and he says, because she knew who you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. she, he, he does. He, like, he, she knows that he can't let the mystery die. He can't let the, the wrong go unpunished. He's going to pursue whatever's happened here. Can we talk about Judy Dench? Because I love her as M throughout her so movies. Good. And she's so funny in this one. They're uh, such a match for each other in this one. Um, and they always are supposed to be, but I don't know, just their banter, like when he's broken into her London house. <laughs> and she's like, just don't ever break into my house again. He's like, oh, okay. Like, wink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so good. I love them together. As the audience, I felt like we just clearly know that there will be another future moment where he breaks into her house. Like, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even happen in this movie. I kind of expected that to pay off in this movie because it was such a joke that he, right. that, that he would listen to that. <laughs> but again, it was very purposeful. Like, he did it so that he could log into her computer, not just to steal her credentials, but so that she would know where he was going because he wanted her to find him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, he's he's definitely got those sleuth aspects to the character as well. And just talking about Dame Judi Dench and the character of M, one of the reasons Bond, Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond, and this is my favorite Bond film, is just because he has so much chemistry, not only with M and Judi Dench, but Vesper, and even the villain, even with Lashif, Le- like their exchanges, it's just oozing with this charisma and chemistry, and like he knows Lashif, and Lashif knows him. We talk about him knowing these other characters, but they know each other just as well. And it just sets up so for so many great exchanges, including the, the torture scene. Which, Ugh, yeah. I hate that torture scene. It's I, rough. I always fast forward through it. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, I'll watch it for Matt and Scotty. And then it got to, and I was like, I can't, I can't. And I like fast forward <laughs> through it again until uh, the part where Mr. White comes in. Cause I, okay. it's okay. just like, that's such a real brutal way to hurt somebody. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, it's hard for me to watch. It's funny that me and Jay Scotty aren't the ones that fast forward through that scene. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe we should be the one. I, I don't know. <laughs> Do not like it. <laughs> it's, it's really rough. It, yeah, but it does. And, and again, we talk about like the comedy is not really comedy per se, but it's just another one of those opportunities for bond to show how cool he can be even under such extreme circumstances when, you know, Lashif gives him that final chance and he's just like, believe I got a little tickle down there. Would you mind? <laughs> just like, I can't imagine having the, the guts mm, or the, the gusto to, to take that uh, like that. But The world will uh, know you died scratching my balls. Um, <laughs> it's really, really, it's really quite good. And he, he acts it so beautifully because like he's trying to laugh and be that bond whatever bravado but like he is in real pain and when he starts yelling when he he says you know uh, i got a little tickle down there and he uses the thing to smack his uh his balls uh and and then he says no 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 he's screaming no and you're like oh he's really in pain now he's like no no a little to the right (laughs) it's like oh it's so it's bad uh, it's so bad but it's Terrible so coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true. Um, I did find it like, I don't know, maybe it's just because it, I'm the viewer, but like, man, how did he fall for giving the code out? Like, it just seemed so obvious. Like, when he, he passes out after, um, the, the main villain of this, this movie has been killed, Lashif has been killed. 
and it all just seems so staged to me. Like, and I know that like, I don't know. I, I couldn't, I didn't remember that that's how this movie ended, but even not remembering, I was like, this is fake. This is all fake. And Vesper's in on it. <laughs> it was right. And, but he, but he loved Vesper and he had, that was the thing. It's his last bit of his heart that he had to let go. And that's this movie like is a bond origin story, which we've never gotten. And it's in so many ways, like the coldness of bond, the like understanding the stakes of what he's facing, understanding collateral damage, like all that stuff he has to learn in this movie. When I was, when I was 22 or whatever, when I first saw this movie, I thought the ball scene, the ball smacking scene was hilarious because it explains why he doesn't have a lot of children. (laughs) It's the origin story, right? Like logical, (laughs) right? right. If not a little crass and sad. That's, that's when, do you even want to get into the weeds where like you, there's the whole question about like the canon and the continuity of, of bond is bond like one person. And we're just seeing like different versions of bond or is 007. Are they always named James Bond? And is it a different person that steps up to become James Bond? But that's, that's a whole entirely different conversation. It's a, it's a good question. It, it seems that because of the technology advancements, if you're going to take them all as canon movies, they're either separate canons or they are, uh, at least at some point or, or it's being passed down to different people just because, you know, the, the technology differences and things like that, but, uh, different universes, different variants mm-hmm. of Bond or, or different. Uh, I, I, my favorite theory is that, is that, uh, James Bond is a time lord that <laughs> yeah. generates. He gets younger and better looking each time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He Just is an like, Englishman. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I subscribe to like the separate, like they're all a little separate universe. Cause that's the only way you can, if you are big on things making sense, then that's the only way it can make sense. I don't really care that much about it, but you know, it's to me, it's just always a revamp. There's always, this is the new bond. Now this is the new bond verse kind of a thing. Right. I I think that's the most logical way to look at the Bond films. And I wonder if there are, I haven't seen them all. I've seen most of them. Oh, so we're doing 25 of these episodes? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Right. I don't have that much leave. (laughs) (laughs) I've never watched them in order for sure. And so like, I don't know if there's like things where like one Bond, one actor that plays Bond does a thing that later comes back and is like, connected to something a different bond did i don't know if they have anything like that there's only one thing that i can think of scotty and you might correct me there's um in the older ones he loses a woman he loves too it's just a different person and a different circumstance but he's actually married to her ever so briefly and they bring that back one or two other times but they just reference it they don't redo it over and over again okay so it does seem like those stories are at least intended to be separate, either separate universes or the same universe with different actors. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I I choose to think of them as separate universes. That's one of the reasons we're only doing these five for Bingers. I was like, these are the ones that they're telling a story. They're telling an overarching story because I don't really, I don't remember much. I've seen them all, but I don't remember much. And I don't remember at all, like, why does Vesper let herself die here? Like, cause she could have gotten out of that cage. She took the key out on purpose. And like, I don't know why. Yeah. Right. That's, and that's the thing. That's why it's so great that we're, you know, covering these films in particular because Casino Royale does, it's such a linchpin for the rest of the films going forward as it rightly should be. 
But we'll talk about it when we cover Quantum of Solace. But I, and again, I am getting ahead of myself here, but the reception to Quantum Solace was a little lukewarm, but I think Quantum of Solace works a lot better in hindsight, especially coming off of seeing Casino Royale so recently. They really do just tie in together so, so nicely. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. like a, a first and second part, basically. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of movies like that, that these days with the way they make things serialized that like they come out in theaters and people are like, this movie sucks. But then if you watch them close together, you're like, Oh, I felt the same way. I felt the same way with the matrix, uh, revolutions and reloaded. I thought those, uh, worked really well if you watch them sort of close together. And I felt hmm. the same way about, um, the pirates of the Caribbean movies. Everyone's like the second and third one. Eh. But like, if you watch them literally back to back, it's just one four hour movie and it's really good. <laughs> okay. I think, um, I'll have to revisit those ones. I'm, they kind of fall into the, we're, we're getting into the weeds here, but they fall into the same category as the Transformers films for me. <laughs> really, really strong first film and then mm-hmm. just goes right off, right <laughs> off the cliff there. I, I totally hear that. I think the second, third one deserve, deserve another look, but the, okay. the past okay. that they do, I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> There's like four or five now and I, maybe six. I don't even know. There's and I lot. think they might be making another one. I think I heard a rumor of that. I don't know. Uh, they don't need to do that. No, no. (laughs) Um, I like the line about the, uh, so you want me to be half monk, half hitman. Yeah. (laughs) He says that to M, right? Or does he say that to Vesper? Yeah, that's one of those times where they're just like going toe to toe and um, she just, she doesn't dress him down. She's almost kind of, she sort of guides him through this movie in a way that you wouldn't expect her to from the British super intelligence secret service branch of the military. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me really wonder what is M's backstory and motivation. Like it makes me feel like bond reminds her of someone mm-hmm. because of the way she like lets him, lets him kind of have his way with the country. Like (laughs) lets him do these things that like no one else can get away with, but she trusts, like, I know you are who you are. And like, I know you're going to do the things you're going to do. And it like makes me think that M has some sort of like connection to him or or remembers. I think you touched on it. She trusts him. She probably doesn't trust that many people around her, but she does trust Mm. him. That's true. That's true. And this thing he says at the end, like, no one, you can't trust anyone. And she's like, so you've learned your lesson then. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. The job is mm. done. The bitch is dead. Oh, poor oh, James. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. Which, the bitch is dead, that's a line, that's like the last line of the book, I think. Oh, Casino really? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh. Wow. Well, and th- th- what fascinates me about that is, like, she wants him to learn her lesson that she can- he can't trust anyone. She wants him to become the cold-hearted killer. But she still tells him uh, that Vesper bargained for his life. Mm-hmm. So she also still wants him to maintain a heart. And it's like her guiding him in this sort of mani- very manipulative way uh, oh, sure. to, like, make him a cold-hearted killer that still has enough of a heart that he cares about people and wants to save people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keeping some of his humanity so he he does still save the people who need saving. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And one of the rare instances that you get to kind of see a little bit behind the veil of his kind of suave nature and kind of see his passion for actually saving people is one of his final exchanges with Vesper. When, or actually, I guess it's, it's not one of his final exchanges, but when they're talking about um, him being able to buy back in after he mm-hmm. um, basically got... Um, 
called out by Lashif during the, the poker game, and she's not willing to, and he calls her a bloody idiot. You're like, and you're an idiot if you're going to let this like terrorism continue and let like more people die. And it was just like that was one of those things upon rewatch. Like I kind of forgot that you get to see the fact that he has such passion. That's the willing that he's he's so willing to put his life on the line. Like that. yeah, that's yeah. a great point because she's just thinking about the money and herself at that moment because she hasn't quite fallen for him a hundred percent yet. So she's thinking about her boyfriend that they've captured or whatever. They don't really touch on that a whole lot. It's kind of like a F plot basically. I'm really, yeah. movie, but it made me really curious when did when did her boyfriend get captured? Because like was she working against him the entire movie? Was that why she wouldn't stake him? I think that she's we're supposed to assume that she's against him the whole time. I believe so. Okay. On my hundred million three watch of it, it feels like um Eva Green kind of like overdoes it in their first introduction with each other on the train. And I think that it's purposeful after I've watched the whole movie again, because she's not like that towards the end. And I think it's her like putting a brave face on for herself and trying to tell herself this is going to work, even though she's probably terrified out of her mind. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I think that coupled with the shower scene where she's like visibly shaken and broken down after assisting him kill somebody um, in my head canon, I imagine like her boy, her French Algerian boyfriend was abducted and she was just a regular accountant and she was coerced into like volunteering for more active field duty. And it just kind of set her up perfectly to be a part of this, this mission. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It, it all culminates in one, in a line that is so cold when he believes that she's betrayed him, which she has isn't so sure about where we're still not sure about the depth of the trail. And I think that like that sort of that, that confusion, even us asking these questions now is what bond has to go through for the rest of his life. And so like, he always has to waffle between like either she was just completely against me the whole time, or she really did fall in love too. And was just, just had to do what she had to do. It's, it's all, it, it leaves him in such a place of making those questioning the whole time but when he's fully sure she's just betrayed him he runs out there and then this the, the villain uh who 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 has vesper who vesper's giving the money to uh, grabs her and puts a knife to her throat and says i'll kill her and he says allow me and he starts to turn to yeah. shoot her yeah. oh it's so good and it's so bad it's so <laughs> yes. good and it's so bad <laughs> yeah, yeah poor james yeah i don't feel bad for vesper in this movie I don't know if I should or not. I feel confused about her. I yeah. think just like Bond does in the end. Like, I feel really like she, she says, I'm sorry, James. She, when she removes that key from the cage, why? Like, she doesn't mm-hmm. want James Bond to save her in that moment. Is it because if she survives, her boyfriend will die? Is she dying for her boyfriend? Is, is there deeper stuff going on? And I, I'm sure there is. And Quantum of Solace is apparently where I'll, where I'll find out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think that she um, I think she partially does it to keep him safe, because as long as she's alive, they're going to come after them. Well, mm. it's like she knew she was going to her death one way or another. That's why she left the phone there. And M said as much. Yeah. 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 So. She's pretty resolved about it. Like, right. But in that moment, he has destroyed part of uh, the city for her <laughs> and like <laughs> Poor has Venice. killed all these men <laughs> And like he, he he has that moment where he could save her life, and she doesn't try to help. You know, 
she like fights against him saving her and she goes down to the bottom of the ocean and he's shaking her cage and she screams to let out all her air. And it's like, yeah, what is it's rough. Like that, yeah. that kind of commitment to dying takes a lot. There's to be a strong mm-hmm. motivation for that. So I'm very, I'm curious as to what that is. I'm very, very curious. Yeah. Uh, and we don't really get an answer. Yeah. Ever. Whether it's not wanting to face the consequences with the, British government or just knowing the reach of Mr. White's organization and that she can never really get away. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's like, it's a multi-choice question or answer to a question and the choice is all of the above. Mm. Yes. (laughs) One thing I'd be remiss if I did not mention, I like that Owatu came in and staked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. So good. I've seen a number of Bond films over the years, and I just always liked Felix Leiter, maybe because he was the American CIA agent, but like I just <laughs> yeah. always liked him when I was younger, and um, it was just cool to see Jeffrey Wright in that role. It was great. Yeah, I think we're going to get him back, too, in No Time to Die. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good old I Felix Leiter. I also like his friend, Renee Mathis, which, where did Renee come from? Where did Mathis come from? Do we know? He just he was, shows up. <laughs> he was their contact in Montenegro, from my okay. understanding. And we just don't even know like which organization he's working for or anything. He's just there. Mm. Yeah, he's like I know the he's local... in the next movie too, but yeah, he is. Yeah, I think he's a detective. I want to say maybe a lieutenant or something like that, but don't quote mm. me. Like he's just there and picking up all of Bond's pieces and cleaning up all of his messes. <laughs> like, I need a friend like that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and at the end, they're like, oh, at least this clears Mathis. And Bond is like, no, no one can be trusted. Oof. Yes. Yeah. That part's a little, it's a little confusing. They don't really resolve it. Do they? I what haven't way? seen Quantum of Solace in a long time. Well, you know, Bond thinks he's his friend. And then Lashifra tells him, your friend Mathis is actually my friend Mathis. Right. And so that's why he has him arrested. But we don't really know. Again, here's more questions. We don't really know if that was true or not. Okay. Because Mathis comes, comes back. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess we'll find out. And I hope, I'm hoping that this five uh, movie arc will actually like really flesh out some of these things. It sounds like some of it will be explored. I remember him like flashing back to her death in future movies. So like, I know that there's some, some sort of thing with her death that he's going to learn. And I just don't, I don't remember. And I'm really excited to learn more. Cool. Well, I mean, the movie ends with him having, you know, Mr. White in tow. So I'll just say that's quite a a thread to, to leave off on. True. Yeah. (laughs) True. True. He's wearing that bomb three piece suit and he looks amazing. (laughs) He does. He does. He strikes he's, quite he's a pose. He's got like full James Bond. Then that's mm-hmm. like that, that's like his armor. You know, he and Vesper talk about his armor. Is it off or on? And yep. um, that's like James Bond armor is the three piece suit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good call. I like that. Um, the money penny reference that is in this movie is that just a red herring? Because Money Penny was like his secretary or assistant in all the other. Bond films, right? I don't even remember what it was. Remind me. When he first meets... See, because this is an origin story. When he first meets Vesper, they sit on the train, and she's like, I'm the money. And he says, every penny of it. Saying, oh. saying she's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And it was like, oh, is she money penny? And so for a long time in the movie, I thought maybe she was going to become his money penny for the future films. 
but it, it ended up it went this other way. And so I didn't know if this was like a different interpretation of the character of Money Penny because do we get? Nah, I guess I don't want to know. We don't get Money Penny in this in this arc iteration until Skyfall. Okay, yes. so so that was just like a misdirect. So I think it was just a nod to the fans, like, hey, we know. We know what you're expecting, but I also think it was a misdirect to make you trust her more because mm-hmm. like Money Penny is known as like the trusted assistant of James Bond, and then mm-hmm. like she's the accountant. She shows up. He calls her. He says the Money Penny reference at the beginning, and I was like, I always, I think when I looked back on this movie, I was still calling her Money Penny in my head because I just remembered <laughs> that being like a thing. Hmm. Uh, the only other line I had written down, and I did, it didn't ever. Thought of a time, uh, but when they're the, talking about the flirting and like the realistic flirting, uh, she says, uh, you want to, uh, you want to leave with me to that, to that first lady. And she's like, I'm afraid I'm not that cruel. And he says, yeah, maybe you're just out of practice. <laughs> <laughs> the way he's looking at her is so weird in that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's like looking at her with this really intense like look on his face <laughs> go back and watch that part it's kind of funny. it made me laugh actually because i thought it was kind of goofy but i know he's trying to you know like break her down and make her come with him it's just so funny mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. really funny and let's talk about the aston martin of it all because those cars are amazing <laughs> yeah they were beautiful and when he wrecks to save vesper that was an intense oh. scene very um, intense nathan my husband nathan he said that he had read that that car was so well made that they couldn't flip it. And so they had to insert like a piston rod in the middle of the car oh, yeah. to actually pull off that stunt. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, there's, I've seen that in like stunt, stunt things. They'll have just like a, a little, almost, it's almost like a, a fast moving jack. It's like a hydraulic. The car. It's like a yeah. hydraulic thing that kicks the car over. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's cool. Cause yeah, most cars won't, f- I mean, like that car particularly is low to the ground and, fl- and, and weighted outward. So like, yeah, it's just not going to flip easy. Yeah. The whole way they do that car sequence too, because one of the touchstones of bond is usually have like a car chase and we don't really get that so much as like when this is setting up what you think is going to be a high speed chase and then the headlights just flash on her. It's kind of like scary the way she just gets illuminated in the middle of the road and you really think he's going to hit her. And then just the trauma of the accident after that and like him being completely immobilized and easily taken captive like that just kind of subverts expectations again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally uh, agree that that shot is like, again, it's one of those shots that like I remember and this movie's 15 years old. I only saw it once, maybe twice back when it was in theaters. And I still remember that shot of him coming over the hill and seeing her lit and lit by only the headlights and barely missing the woman that he loves. You know, that's so yeah. terrifying. I've been on the road before and uh, looked out in front of me and there's someone who's wearing dark clothing and then they're just like right in front of me. And I, I've had to swerve before to miss someone like that. Yikes. And that's scary, but just imagine it's the person you love and you're chasing after them. And then, whew, yeah, and going like way faster than you were probably going. <laughs> well, I'm kind of a reckless He's driver. He's probably going so. like a hundred miles an hour in that scene or something. Yeah, yeah, easily, really fast. Mm. Well, uh, do we move on to uh, bottom shelf? Uh, just a, a couple other things I wanted to mention that don't really fall into bottom or top shelf things are. This is the first time on a rewatch that I noticed the Richard Branson cameo. It's like a blink and you'll miss it. But uh, oh. when he's in the airport, did you guys see that one? 
No, uh-uh. I didn't. Oh, he's in the like the terminal in the metal detector. He's just doing like a little sweep when he's tailing um, the the would be terrorist. That's funny. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the the song that was featured in the intro, "You Know My Name" by Chris Cornell. Just shout out to Chris Cornell, R.I.P. But it's one of my favorite um, favorite of the song of the mm-hmm. Bond songs, and it's just beautiful and still resonates in it. If you listen to the lyrics, it actually talks about like, do you know what it is to take a life, and it just fully ties into the themes that we've we've talked about here in the journey that bond goes on yeah the opening credits which is an iconic bond thing these are some of my favorite opening credits out of all of the movies because i love the graphic i love the graphics and i love you know how they punch in these little twists and nods to the movie moving forward you don't even know what you're looking for yet but like it mm-hmm. pans over the queen of hearts you know and it's vesper's face for just a brief second Ooh, um, yeah. very good very good yeah. ones super cool stuff that's really really cool mm. well our next segment is bottom shelf where we uh take our, our least favorite thing about this movie uh it could be a moment it could be a character it could be whatever you like what is your least favorite thing about casino royale besides the torture scene I feel like the Miami airport scene goes on just a little too long. Just a little too long. Hmm. Like, they could have shortened it a little bit, and I would have liked that. Um, but those are it. <laughs> I can see that. I think that's one of the least stylistically appropriate scenes, too. Like, the rest of the movie feels yeah. very Bond. That feels very diehard, almost. Like, he's chasing... Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a little out of place, yeah, uh, tone-wise. Jason Bourne-esque. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like any other, and maybe it's just because he's in America. There's just no conversations. There's no like quippiness. There's just chase the guy, fight yeah. the thing. But I, I understand why they had to do it because it sets up why Le Chiffre loses all that money. Right. Man. But still, it could have been shorter. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I agree with that. Yeah. Hey, Scotty, you got any... Bottom My shelf. bottom shelf is kind of a weird one and it's super nitpicky, but it's just kind of the film almost feels like it works in like two separate pieces. Like you have the first part, the setup where Bond is becoming the double O agent and discovering what's going on with this terrorist ring. And then that's where you get the majority of like the high octane action. And then kind of like what you said in the second film, we have the casino card game and it just kind of makes for a little bit of weird pacing for me. I feel like the majority of the major players as far as characters that we get other than Bond and M don't really appear until like an hour into the movie, which is just kind of a weird narrative choice. Mm. Yeah, I can see yeah, it's that. It's like a two-act play, kind of. Yeah, kind of. That's that's a good way to describe it. Hmm. I see that. Not necessarily a bad thing, but just kind of a weird choice. I guess I don't really have a good bottom shelf for this movie. I I'll go with the finale where uh, he gets tricked in a way that seems too easy. Like I, I really just was like, he seems so naive to me in that scene because it seemed so obvious that what was going on to me. And hmm. yes, I've seen this movie before, but I didn't remember that that was the case. It was just like so obvious that when you have one scene where they're begging you for the password and then they, it's some, so then you're saved. Like, you know, you're, you're summarily saved. And then the next scene, they go, here you go, Mr. Bond, put in your password. And he's yeah. like, and he just does it. I was like, what? Wait, no, no, I, I wouldn't fall for that. <laughs> or at least I would take a second to go like, wait a second. I need to see your credentials. I need to talk to him. I need to do something. Like, this seems a little suspect. I thought that was a little weird. <laughs> uh, what about Top Shelf? Best thing about Casino Royale? 
I love everything that happens in the Bahamas. I don't know why. Um, that's some of my favorite in this movie. I think just because he's so he's so atypical of himself in some ways, but he's also very Bond in some ways, and um, it's beautiful there too. And he's funny, you know, the way he runs the car into the parking barrier and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was really great. Yeah, that's my top shelf. So many alarms going off at once. That was a great scene. <laughs> so funny. For me, it's going to be um, the opening sequence. Yeah. I had so many, like, I mentioned, like, having so many, like, strong memories of this movie. And some of them held up and some of them held up less well. Like, I remember the parkour scene blowing my mind when I was, like, <laughs> 22 or whatever. But, like, for whatever reason, on a rewatch, I was like, I've seen this a lot since then. Like, I've seen people mm-hmm. do cooler, you know, stunts on scaffolding. <laughs> Shang-Chi. Um, <laughs> but, like, that opening sequence held up in every way that I remembered it. Like, the brutality of the fighting in the bathroom, the way the death affects him after his first kill, and then the just utter coolness and coldness of his killing of the um, director or whatever. What's his, what was he again? Martin Campbell? Oh, no, no you, you're, talking, you're talking about the director the, the director that he killed. I'm sorry, I thought the director of the film. Uh, Dryden, <laughs> Dryden, my bad, sorry. Oh, shit, he killed Martin Campbell. <laughs> he killed Martin Campbell, yeah. Crazy. My bad. Crazy my but bad. true. Anyway, yeah, like, whatever the sub-director that he has to kill or whatever he is. You know, you, yeah. you, you said his title earlier. but um, Dryden, yeah. yeah Dryden. Section chief. Section yeah. chief, thank you. Not director of the movie. Section chief. <laughs> I, I, I get those two confused. Um, but... No, I just freaking love that for, that opening sequence and him just being like, uh, yeah, when he say, I think the actual line is, it, the second one is always, and he fires and says, yes, considerably. Just that cold, <laughs> cool, he is James Bond in that moment, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. My top shelf is just going to be the rhythm and fluidity and inventi- inventiveness and expansiveness of the action sequences. It's just everything you just talked about from the parkour sequence to, we, we talked about the airport sequence and how, how there's not a lot of dialogue there, but just the places that they chose to take it where it starts off, you know, just that body works display where he has that silent night fight with Demetrius and it goes straight from there. You don't even miss a minute. He's immediately tailing this guy into the airport and then just the big blow up on the runway where he has that moment where you think all is lost, but he's sitting there smiling. And when the guy triggers the bomb, it was attached to him and you didn't know until the very last minute. I just always enthralled. And if I had popcorn in front of me, I would have been stuffing it into my face the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. The action in this movie, it's paced so well and it's so common and like to be as exciting as it is through the majority of it. I do feel like that, um, airport sequence, Probably was inserted because they were like, he plays playing cards for an hour. We need to do something. <laughs> we need to, we need him to like chase a bo- chase a bomber or something. Um, so it made it made sense probably from a uh, from a pacing perspective for the movie. But I do think it like weirdly takes away from the flow. But like I, I think that yeah, I agree with you. The action sequences are just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, last call, everybody. Thank y'all for joining me. Here on Bingers Assemble, I'm excited to watch these five Bond movies. Um, so let's, uh, what, what do you guys want to plug? Last call. I am going to be doing Source Pages podcast with Brian V. Klein as usual. 
Since we have a little break before Eternals comes out, we're doing some retrospective episodes on WandaVision, Loki, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ooh. So if you check out our social medias, you can see which comics we're going to read leading up to that. And we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So check us out, the Source Pages podcast. Yeah, where they cover all the cool source material that we kind of talk about here on uh, on the uh, Stranded Panda Network. So what about you, Jay Scotty? Yeah, please check out Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. So every week, Zuhair Ali and myself, and we'll bring in a co-host to cover the latest episodes of What If. And then we've also got Young Justice Season 4 just around the corner, so we're going to get our coverage of Season 3 out there. So please stay tuned for that. That's T-O-O-N-E-D. <laughs> nice. Nice. And uh, I guess my only plug for the end of the episode is we're doing the review drive right now for all Stranded Panda podcasts. Uh, you can go to strandedpanda.com slash contest. And basically you just, um, if you give a five-star review to any of the listed uh, podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts, then you are entered to win a, a Nintendo Switch or a uh, Oculus Quest 2 of your choice, whichever you'd like. So, um, yeah, check that out. Uh, it's all the, all the rules and all of the, um, links to all of those Apple podcasts pages are right there at strandedpanda.com slash contest. Um, we're trying to grow the network and trying to let people know more people see, get more visibility for the shows that we're doing. So thank you so much for joining us guys. Much love. Um, we'll be back soon with what's the next movie called? Quantum of Solace. Oh, it is Quantum of Solace next. Okay, sweet. Got to keep it under 15 seconds. Nice. Binger's Assemble is a Stranded Panda podcast. For all of our podcasts and other geeky creative projects, go to strandedpanda.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.